0: Everybody, if you've not been welcomed, good morning to uh, good morning to, to church. We are we are moving into week five, I believe, of our series Authentic. And anybody who's ever worked with kids either you've had kids, you've worked with kids, you know that kids can try your patience at, at times, right? You know that. Kids can, they can, they can yeah, some teachers, some, some parents, you know, school bus drivers. We've got a whole crew of people here today that know that, pa- that kids can try your patience even at the best of times. Now, could you imagine being Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the kind of stuff he would have been able to pull at times? Like in this cartoon here, trying to give a kid a bath is not easy at the best of time. But if he just, uh, on a dirty, you know, kids don't like getting I- into the water, and they'd just be standing there. Tessa, yeah, even Jesus was the typical child. So He had times where he was crying, and probably times when, maybe not, qu- maybe not quite this distinct, standing on top of the water, bugging his mom, but maybe there were times when he would be trying his mom's patience like that. And you know, it's not just kids. We can find impatience all over the world, like in the animal kingdom. Could you imagine being Noah trying to get every last animal into the ark? And then there would have been a few that were just trying their best, but as the rains were coming down, the, the turtles and the snails were maybe just taking their sweet time to, to get onto that ark. We also know that even, not just people, not just animals, even magical fairies might lose their patience at times, and if they want to get teeth from little Billy, uh, she you can see her, she's got her, her magnet there, just trying, give me those teeth, Billy. We, you know what, we all have moments and we all have times in our lives when our patience is tested. And patience is one of those fun things that we really only learn by going through a situation that requires a lot of patience from us. Think about that. We can't learn patience unless we're put into a situation that causes us to either be impatient or learn some patience. And I remember... Um Somebody, somebody taught me one time that one of the greatest things to do as, uh, as a Christ follower would be to pray through the fruits of the Spirit. There's, there's a passage in Galatians, and it says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And, and they said, if you just take one of those fruits for the entire year and pray for it. So in the month of January, you pray, Lord, help me love like you love. And then in, when you get into the month of February, it's help me, out, um, help me have peace like you have peace. And then they said, just watch out for the month when you start praying for patience patience because when you pray for patience God may give you patience in fact he may give you opportunities to let your patience grow and when you go to the grocery store you'll be in the longest line at the grocery store and, and you'll find like people that you'll, you'll go to the, the discount I mean the express line and there'll be people with 12 items instead of 11 items in their card and your, ta- your patience will be tested and you'll, you'll be there with somebody who's counting out pennies which aren't even a viable form of currency anymore but they're still going to be counting out their pennies and trying to, trying to pay with their pennies or you're going to be stuck behind old Gert at a stoplight. Dry- you're not even sure if old Gert should have her license anymore but you see her and she's not ready to turn left because she's not sure there's a good half kilometer between her and that other car coming so she's not turning and you're stuck there waiting. That's how we grow patience is being in impatient situations and all throughout our lives we're stuck with impatience aren't we could you uh, when could you remember being a kid on christmas eve and your parents would say okay it's time to go to sleep what was that feeling when you were a kid? Seven years old knowing that there was going to be gifts under the tree when you woke up or, or maybe it was you did it on Christmas Eve so you were going. If you, if you did it at Christmas Eve and then you had to go to church on Christmas Eve and the Christmas Eve service just went on and on and you're thinking, there are presents at home, buddy, up there. Shut your mouth and let me get home. There's goodies and there's presents. You're impatient, right? Or, or, or kids watching cookies bake. And that smell is wafting through the whole house and they put their noses right up to the oven and you think, that's a very dangerous place for your nose to be. But they're learning patience through those, through those times. Maybe as we, as we get older, our patience is tested when we get into relationships. I, Amanda and I had dated all through, all through high school and I felt this might be the one. And I wanted to let her know that, that she might be the one. But we were only 17 years old and I thought, how am I so, i I'm, I'm, We've been together for three or four years, but she's going off to university. So then I gave her a promise ring, and I because I was maybe a little impatient, because I felt like this is a good relationship. I want to hang on to it. And I gave her a promise ring, and it meant that we would, we would stay together, even though we were going to do four years of university. And then as those university years went on, we got into third-year university, and we were pretty sure that this was going to be a lasting relationship. So I asked her to marry me probably about 17 months out before we can even get married, because we were living in two different cities, and we were engaged for more than... A year and a half because I was impatient but it was something that was good that I wanted and I act maybe a little impulsively in a professionalized we get impatience don't we some of you right now you know the perfect job for you the perfect job you you've either pictured it or you know where it exists but you're told you're too young you're too inexperienced or that job isn't available for you right now and sometimes we have to wait patiently for decades until that job is ready for us. Hopefully not too many, but maybe it's close to 10 years. The last great impatient wait might have to do with waiting for retirement, or s- being the time where you can be done that perfect job <laughs> that you've been working at for years, or waiting to become a grandparent. You see, instinctually, when there's a goal or challenge that's set out before us, our immediate reaction is what? We want to make that goal come quickly. We want to get there as soon as possible. We're so focused with getting onto the next phase of life And all the promise that that next phase of life might have for us, that that kind of impatience might actually rob us of the great experiences that we could have here and now today. And as we move on in our authentic series, we're looking at ways that we've accepted a knockoff or a cheap imitation of the real thing in terms of love and how we give and receive love. And patience has a big role to play in the act of love so we've been rooted in the book of romans chapter 12 9 to 13 we've been there we've been reading along verse by verse even partial verse by partial verse so if you want to follow along this morning you can go to your U version or you can flip to your bibles and if you need a a copy of the bible to borrow this morning just put up your hand just hold it up there and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of the bible to borrow But we've been coming off the lesson the last week and we said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we learned that happiness was a result of human circumstance and the things that we could do to make our life better here. And we'll have good days compared to bad days. But joy is something that's deep and resonant within us and we rely on God's strength to be uh, or God's joy to be our strength. And many of us left the service last week, and we were encouraged. We say, you know, I can live beyond a feeling of good or bad or, or, a, or a positive experience or a negative experience. I don't need to let the world dictate how I feel. I'm encouraged by that. But then we go out Monday morning, and we go out Tuesday, and we go out Wednesday, and we find that, you know what, I wasn't really strong this week sometimes. In fact, I felt down. I felt like some of the joy was taken from me. So we have to keep moving on in the book of Romans, because it isn't just joy, In Romans 12, verse 12, here's what it says. It says that sincere, authentic love should be patient in the midst of affliction. And this morning, we're going to look at a little bit of what that means. And the first concept we want to look at is the pace of patience, the speed at which we learn patience. That's your first fill in the blank. Our world equates quicker with better, don't we? Anything we can do more quickly, we feel that's better. Cars will tell you how quick you can get from zero to 60 miles or zero to 100. Andrew's bike probably goes a lot faster than my little Ford Focus. And and, and we'll think that because his bike goes goes faster, it's better. Now, it is a bike and mine is a Focus, so it is better. (laughs) But that's for other reasons. Speed, Speed isn't necessarily the defining factor in what makes a car better. But our advertisement sure will tell us that. They'll say, if you get this fast one, it's a better car. Students right now, some of you may be thinking, are you guys thinking about fast-tracking through high school right now or no? No, no, not, not at all. I hear that. No, I'm trying to slow it down. Some of you, some students may be thinking, wh- did, wh- one of you guys were telling me you are finishing high school early, right? Or, yeah, you finished just a little bit. Yeah, So some people will think to get through high school at a quicker pace is something better you know why you're moving on to the next phase then you're going it's not always better for mom and dad because then they're paying for school more quickly than than it would be at high school but for a student they think if I can just get through school more quickly it's better we have commercials for fast food we can get in and out quickly we want to watch tv with no commercials so we can get through we don't want to waste our precious seconds watching commercials we want to multitask we want to move through the corporate ladder we want to do things quickly nobody's satisfied with a life that's lived slowly. I read a book a few years ago, and if this concept is something that's close to your heart, you may want to write this one down. It's called In Praise of Slowness. And the tagline says, Challenging the Cult of Speed. And here's what it does. It goes through different phases of our life, and it looks at how we rush everything, how we rush our meals, how we rush our work lives. It even looks at how we rush our recreational lives, And it highlights the health differences in people that have figured out how to live slowly. I want you to think for a moment. How would you feel if at every day at 3 o'clock, instead of pushing through to get to the end of your day, you were allowed to take a nap at 3 o'clock every day? If you could take a nap or you could have tea time and the whole, your, your store would shut down, the whole office would shut down, the kids would be gone, they wouldn't be bugging you anymore, everybody would have tea time. Could you imagine how your day would feel at three o'clock if the world stopped for half an hour for you to take a break? And there are cultures that have figured this out. There's siesta and there's tea time. And some cultures are still moving that on and going forward with taking that kind of a break. And they said, you wouldn't believe the health differences of people that slow their world down to take that break but that would require a great amount of patience right because we think if i finish more quickly i'll get home more quickly to start dinner more quickly to start right we th- we, we, we get going that way so we go we're not going to take a half an hour break where this world shuts down and we've lost that practice it looks at european communities that their meals are much later than there would be in the western world here but it's together with loved ones, friends or family, every night, and it might not start being prepared until 8 o'clock, and it might take an hour to prepare, and it might be 9 o'clock when they sit down to have dinner, but could you imagine if your night ended every night with a well-cooked meal with local foods and loved ones sitting around the table for an hour just sharing stories of your day? Could you imagine if that was the end of your day as opposed to rushing kids off to bed or scrambling to get work done late at night? What a difference it would be if our world slowed down to that pace. It's a great read, and you might want to look at it. It's called, like I said, In Praise of Slowness, Challenging the Cult of Speed. But it's an old principle. It's not new, and it goes older beyond that book. It's a biblical concept. Romans 12 tells us that a life that has authentic love is patient, and specifically patient in the midst of affliction. Now that word affliction, it means a few things. It means patiently maintaining a relationship with the Lord and living out a life of love despite the fact that we're going to be challenged about our, our beliefs. That word affliction had a concept of if people challenge you for the way that you believe. And that means there's that national challenge and some some countries deal with that where they're, they're persecuted for their faith in Christ, or maybe it's just an individual challenge where people would challenge you to think, why would you believe the way you believe? How, how do you hold on to that, that faith and that trust in who God is and that Jesus was actually God's son? It's being patient with the Lord in the midst of that kind of affliction. There's also another definition of it, a more passive definition of affliction. And the Bible uses it in situations where there's family brokenness and where there's there's widows or where there's separation or where there's sickness. and And the Bible talks about how that's affliction and we're commanded to love patiently even if there's people that don't love us well or where there's brokenness in love. The Bible says that authentic love is patient in the middle of that. Affliction can really be interpreted Along the same lines as anything that has conflict, that's conflicted. It's remaining patient when there's pain or when there's hurt between you and God or you or others. And when we face pain, we'd like to make it end, wouldn't we? Just like we're rushed in every other part of our life, we're rushed to make pain end. When a kid gets a little scrape, what happens? They want a Band-Aid on it. Hope believes, and a lot of your kids would believe, that a Band-Aid makes the pain go away, right? When, when, it, when it's gone, when it's covered up, they think, well, that's just fixed all that situation and in the midst of hurt our instinct is to do anything to make the pain stop but impatience isn't this modern invention We may have perfected impatience in our world right now, but it's all throughout the Old Testament. If we look at stories through the Old Testament, we'll see that there's impatient people all the time. They're impatient with God. The Jewish people, they were slaves in Egypt. And if you know the, the Jewish history, you know that they were forced into slave labor, building structures. God freed them with miracles and sends them on this journey into the wilderness to find a new place to live. Imagine today if you were packing up your kids because you were mad about the you know, the, you know, the CN intermodal station that we've all been hearing about and we're not happy with what's happening in our world and you felt that you were to take your family out of Milton and God was going to show you a new place to live, okay? So you just started walking out into the wilderness. You went northwest and you went out into like towards uh, what um, it'd be... Um, not towards Georgia, yeah, Guelph and all those areas up there, into the hills, and you just started walking, and you believed that God was going to show you a new place to live. This is the Israelites, remember? God took them out of a structured, good city and said, because of these conditions, you're going out into the wilderness, and I'll show you a place, and their journey was going to take 40 days. If you left last weekend, you would have spent your first night in six-degree cold rain and you would have spent your second night slowly warming up, and you would have spent this week going between 25 degrees and like 2 degrees at night. How long would you have lasted in the wilderness being patient for God to show you a new place to live? Not very long. <laughs> you, you would start to miss things. You would, you, wouldn't, you would miss your food. You're like, I don't want to drink eat food off the ground. I want my Keurig that I can hit a button and I get my coffee in the morning. And, and even though you believed what you were doing was right, for you and for your family, you may start to complain. Here's what we see the Israelites say in Numbers 21.4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. Well, no kidding. <laughs> and we pick up this story and Moses was on up on the mountain and the Israelites didn't know where he was and there's thunder and lightning going on and God gives him these Ten Commandments. And the people are watching what's happening and they're hungry and they're cranky and so they act impatiently. And they say to Aaron, Aaron, you make us a new God because we don't like what's happening with this old God and make this new God out of all of our gold earrings and all of our gold coins. And they bring themselves into a place of disobedience. Why? God's pace was too slow for them. God wasn't moving them fast enough to where they wanted to be, so they compromised. We see it with Lazarus in the New Testament. Lazarus was one of Jesus' friends. He had a sickness, and things had turned really bad while Jesus was away traveling. And people called on Jesus. They said, you've got to come fix Lazarus right now. You heal people from being sick. Jesus, you need to come back. But Jesus didn't go directly to Lazarus. He had other things to do, and he stopped along the way. And Lazarus Lazarus died while Jesus was still far away. And when Jesus arrives into town, look what they say Jesus in John 11:21. 21 Lord Martha said if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died God's pace was too slow for the Israelites God's pace was too slow for Martha even the disciples who were Jesus close friends you'd think that they would get it that Jesus doesn't always work at their pace they had always assumed as a group that, God, that Jesus was coming to restore an earthly kingdom. And they would give Israel the power and the rights that Rome had during that time. And after Jesus dies and resurrects, look what he says to them in, or look what he, they say to him in Acts 1, 6. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're like, is this the moment? This is your time. And God's pace was too slow for them. Jesus wasn't about to do that yet. He wasn't interested in making life comfortable for them. There's a time that's coming where we'll have no pain and where we'll have that close relationship with him, and that's called heaven. But authentic love is marked by patience, not demanding that God meets our timeline. We have this misguided deal with God. Think about this. Have we ever said this? Have you ever had this feeling before that says, God, I'll love well when you fix my family? when you fix my personal situation, when my finances get right, then I'll love you well. Authentic love is patient regardless of what we're facing. And the first lesson of authentic patient love is that we don't get to set a timeline for how quickly things are going to work out in our lives. Let's go beyond the pace of patience. It brings us to then the practice of patience. And the practice of being patient It helps restore a proper rhythm into our lives. God created us, and we need to know that his design was that we would go through different phases in our lives. We're going to have times of success and times when we feel like we're going forward, but we're going to have times of wandering when we're not going forward. We're going to have times when he clearly sets out things that we know what the next step would be, and there's going to be times when we're going to have to learn to trust that that next step will come at the right time. There's going to be times when we physically hurt and physically lack for something, and that's God's plan for us to practice patience. It may teach us something. I want you to think. Before Jesus did any of his public ministry, before Jesus did anything in front of other people, what did he do? He spent 40 days in the middle of nowhere not eating and learning a different kind of reliance on God and the Holy Spirit that was residence within him. Jesus was learning not to rely on his human ability and what he could gain from his own life, but to rely on God. So he goes through this physical time of testing. And if he had rushed that process, that testing period in the wilderness, he would have missed the entire point of relying on God in the midst of affliction. He couldn't have done it in one day, he couldn't have done it in one week. It was 40 days that was designed for him. We weren't always created to get there faster. That's the lesson of practicing patience. There's a modern parable that I love on this, that there's, there's a, a very wealthy person and he's now going to hire a personal driver And he says, uh, I'm going to interview for people that could be my driver. And so the first, there's three people that their qualifications meet. So he goes, okay, show me your way through this course. And the one person drives at 100 kilometers an hour, and there's pylons set up around the course. And he he only goes within six inches of of the edge, and there's only one cone that he even nicks going 100 kilometers through this weaving course the next driver comes up, and he's not quite as fast. He's only going 85 kilometers, but he's able to get within two inches of this, of this course that was set out. And he, he doesn't tick any of the pylons, and he maintains this tight course all along the way. And then the third driver comes up, and the third driver only goes 60 kilometers an hour and stays right in the middle. And the wealthy man says, I'm choosing the third driver. And the other two said, well, we got there faster. We were were (laughs) so close to the edge. He was driving right in the middle going slowly. And he said, I don't want somebody that's gonna risk my life going too fast or going too close to the edge. I want someone that's just gonna get me there in a proper amount of time going along safely. And our culture says, speed things up, go as quick as you can, and manage without going off the rails. And God says, slow things down to the point where you learn the lesson of rest, where you learn the lesson of trust, when you learn the lesson that it may take a while for you to get there, but that's okay. We're gonna get there in the right amount of time. We don't need to get there more quickly. And we think of some of the great faith stories of people we see in the Bible and their amazing ability to be patient with God and his plan rather than deviating from their course. The story of Daniel gets me. He was living in Babylon, which is modern day Iran in that, in that area not favorable to christianity at any time in their history really and there was a law that was passed and outlawed and here was the law they said you can't pray to any other god there was multi faiths at this time they said you can't pray to any other god you need to go worship the king and the state for the next 30 days this is extreme religious affliction right And you would think it would require great action and some bold statement or maybe all the Christians should go into hiding. But we look at Daniel's steady response in the midst of affliction, Daniel 6.10. When Daniel learned that a decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before, patiently, he continued on his journey of faith and his reliance on God, God, regardless of the situation that life gave him. We look at the Apostle Paul. He was traveling through Western Asia and Eastern Europe, and he was starting churches. He was supporting pastors, and he, he begins this path for Rome, and he's confronted by a prophet who was a church leader and said, you've got to stop, Paul, because when you get there, you're going to be arrested, and you can read his story in Acts 21, and Paul says, no, I'm going to continue on, and it's okay if I'm arrested. I'm prepared to face any kind of affliction as long as I'm on my journey where God wants me to go. And success in our faith, it's only discovered when we practice a regular rhythm of patient, steady path on where God wants us to be. I'll guarantee that there are people in this morning, you're feeling affliction this morning. Something in your life, it's conflict, it's brokenness, it's being tested Somewhere in your life, it's not easy to love God or love others. We all have them this morning. Some of us feel like God is distant and he's forgotten about us. And we're struggling to maintain our faith. Maybe we feel like abandon is a strong word for where you're at, but you've at least stagnated in your growth with God. You're not getting closer to him. You feel like, God, I don't know what the next step is. You're wondering how to continue your spiritual formation to love God and love others. Maybe the very thing that God is trying to teach us in this time is that we need to trust him in the middle of conflict, in affliction, in brokenness. Patience is one of those lessons we only learn in times when we feel it would be better to change rather than to stay the course. When you choose a life of patience, we start to encounter a pressure to compromise. Think about this. When we feel disconnected from God, what's the compromise? We just step back from God. When we feel affliction in a relationship with somebody else, we feel we get pressure and maybe this temptation to compromise from continuing to love them even when they don't love us. We'll say we'll love when they love. Why continue on as a Christian when things don't feel good anymore? Why continue on in Christian values when it's not working anymore? We're applying the principle of hurriedness that's common in our world that if we're not getting there quickly, it's not worth it at all love isn't governed by that principle love is a spiritual thing and it's governed by the laws of the bible and god and it's in moments like this when god says love requires patience psalm 46 and 10 and he says just be still and know that i'm god this principle of love it's applied to our love with god our love with humans as well we think of people that maybe in our lives we feel distant and broken And we feel like this drastic change may be necessary to love them better or maybe a drastic change, a break, is like people break their relationships all the time when they're not being loved well or they can't love well. God never designed us to break up all the time and start all over again. That's a drastic move. And authentic love leads with patience even when we aren't being loved well. Human instinct says do something big. God's instinct says just be still, just trust. Just follow the path, continue to love well. Remember the teaching of Jesus on how to love well. He said this during the Sermon on the Mount. It's in your notes, Matthew 5, 38 to 42. You have have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So when we're not loved well, I don't love well. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and don't turn away to the one who wants to borrow from you. Authentic love doesn't put timelines on when we should be patient and when we can be patient. We need to start to be reminded to love in a way that goes far beyond anything we would commonly experience. The common form of love here authentic love loves even when it doesn't feel good. A lot of people throw around the phrase, I love you. I want you to reflect on your own life for a moment, as I will with mine. Whose love actually matters? When you hear that word, I love you, is it the people that love you just in a moment, just when it's going well? Does that mean well? Does that mean more to you? Or is it the people that have loved you when you didn't deserve it? Or the people that loved you when you didn't love them well? The people that love you the same today as they did 15 years ago or even maybe they love you more well. That's authentic love. That's patient that allows for us to make a mistake that allows for us to change. It's a love that doesn't judge and it's a love that extends beyond what's good and what's easy. That's authentic patient love. Let's close off this morning with the payoff of patient. We've got the pace. Patience moves slowly. We don't set the timeline. The practice of patience it's not easy. We have to love people even when we're not loved well or when we feel distant. The payoff of patience is simply this, 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. We're ending up in the same place that we did last week or maybe that we often do, that We live this way, we love others and love God this way because we're not living just for our experience on earth. If we had to look forward, if all we had to look forward to was what we experienced in these 82 years that we live here on earth, then sure, let's go hard and let's go fast and let's get there as quick as we possibly can. If this is all that there is, we can go as hard as we can. But we're not just living for today. I'm living for my eternity. I'm living for more than my here and now. And it's more important that I learn to love God well and love others well than I get ahead quickly in life. And part of that means slowing down life and learning that there's going to be seasons, both good and bad, and enduring with patience in all of them. Romans 8 and 18 says this, I consider consider that our present sufferings are not worth Comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, God's word should inspire a change in us, and we can start right here this morning and just say, instead of rushing off, we're at the end of a service and we could rush off because you've got things to do, right? (laughs) We want to intentionally slow ourselves down, and the whole pace of our of our service this morning, we wanted to slow it down a little bit, maybe bring some some of the pressure that we feel, some of the rush that we feel, bring it off. And I want to challenge us to maybe just 30 seconds of quiet reflection with no speaking and just listen to what the Holy Spirit may want to say to us, want to say to our situation. Would you just close your eyes with me and for 30 seconds, just listen maybe to the voice of God. That's that's his gift to you all the time. At any moment, when you even when you feel distant, even when you feel afflicted. He's saying, just slow down and trust me. Don't rush on to the next thing. My gift is my spirit, my gift is my presence, my gift is the the steady, ongoing closeness between God and his kids. And the as we end the service this morning I'm going to invite Peter and Rita they're going to come and we're going to distribute uh, our communion elements this morning and communion is nothing more than this we are we are celebrating what happened that Jesus laid down his life for us and if you believe that this morning please participate with us that's the only qualification that you believe Jesus is God's son he died for you and then when we participate in that it says we're we're participating in in the joining of all the Christians all around the world, saying, this is the sacrifice God made for us. And he wants to be ever present with us. But Heather's going to lead us in a song that just that scripture that we read, that we can be still and know that he's God, and he's God in the midst of the good times, and he's God in the midst of the bad times. And that's his gift for us.